When the choice seems to be to tear down the church or build a wall around it, we aim to walk the narrow road of nuance through the wilderness between the warring factions and try to figure out what it means to love God and people well. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 15 of the Unbetween podcast. I want to start off just by thanking you for listening and, and for sharing and for the feedback that we've gotten from you all. It means the world to us. On the last episode, we had the opportunity to talk through a bunch of things with Josh Porter, but but one of the things that stuck out to me and, and I think that is foundational moving forward for this conversation was the topic of the spiritual discipline of art appreciation. So if you haven't heard that, I think that's valuable to to conversations we're going to have moving forward. We are also looking forward to having many more conversations with people in the industry and, and getting their feedback about art within the context of Christianity. On today's episode, Taylor and I talked through a lot of our experience and what that's meant for us. So I'm not going to say anything more about it. I'm just going to let us get into the episode. What are we talking about today, Ryan? I don't know. I, uh, <laughs> that's a good question. And I'll go on and preface that there may be a lot of background noise with kids today. So I'm hearing them, and you may be hearing them. But You mean you, mean you have a real life outside of hey, this podcast? I, yeah. That's utterly unacceptable. You know, I'll... Uh, I'll, I'll I'll go to the complaint department afterward, and he doesn't even have kids. <laughs> <laughs> what is he doing? That's not true. I've seen them. They, they exist. Yeah. There's three of them, and they're great, and I love them. And sometimes it's hard to record when they're at home. So <laughs> <laughs> all of those things are true. But anyway, um, I don't know. So we we kind of decided just to hit record and talk and see what happened today because we do not have a guest lined up. We have reached out to quite a few people and and are continuing to do so. Uh, You know, part of it is we're a new podcast. So, you know, it's, hey, do you want to be on this thing that you've never heard of? And and, uh, that's not met with resounding yeses immediately a lot of times. So um, we're hopeful that we will get plenty of new guests, especially as, as we add more and have more guests on. I think that's going to be helpful, especially as y'all, you know, like our, our social media pages and share it too and, and get the word out. But I, I think that's even part of why we decided to do that is so that we can get people on who have a lot more to say and a lot more important things to say about the matter than maybe Taylor and I. So... What if we're talking about experience that's, um, I think of that line in Revelation, they overcame through the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And hmm. the, uh, I guess the the value of a life lived in service of Christ out there in the wild, as where a lot of these people are, you know, that, that the, the way that they walk that line is going to look different than the way that it does for, for Ryan and I who have, you know, different that all this stuff is deeply important to us, but we're not currently pursuing art as a vocation per se. Um, yeah. Like the, the stuff that I do is creative, but it's not like I'm making a thing that is totally me and putting that out there and hoping people like it. You know, like what I do for work is I'm, I make stuff for other people basically, or I help make stuff for other people. That's not quite the same thing as somebody who is uh, a full-time musician or a full-time filmmaker or, you know, sketch artist or whatever it is that they do or, you know, set designer or, Whatever. Yeah. Well, and it may not always be what's on your your heart. You know, you're doing it based on what other people are needing and um, wanting to say 
as opposed to what you might want to say. And this is one of our outlets for doing that. But but we, we may not be, because we're not doing it in that capacity, there's, there's things we're not thinking through or looking at or or having uh, insight into currently. So um, now that said, you know, kind of looking back at experience, I think we've shared on others. We've had our hands in different things in, in different years and in artistic uh, avenues that uh, either time does not allow as much now uh, or responsibilities that not allow as much or it's just not where God has us right now. And I think there's there's even something to be said for that, you know, being on the side of it where we're trying to tell a story, even though we're not um, not as involved in it as we used to be, I think, is where God wants us now. So, Well, and for me, this is a way I can continue to be a part of that conversation, even if I'm not contributing in the same ways that I used to or even would like to at times, if I can um, kind of shine a light on other people that are or help other folks connect to something that moves them or helps them make sense of things. That's, that's a good use of my time, I think. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think you're right. So, I mean, if we want to look more at experience in art, I feel like that's kind of where we're trailing at the moment. Correct me if I'm wrong, but. Sounds um, fine. Sounds fine. So I I think there's a lot we can talk about. We can talk more about our experience with art um, and creating and consuming and all of that, but even <laughs> screaming in the background, mom, but even, uh, the, the essence of how experience shapes art and how art shapes experience. There's kind of this cycle there, um, that I think is, is pretty interesting to talk through as well. Yeah. And so, I mean, that, that's, I'm just kind of throwing that out there as the initial things I see. I'm sure there's a lot more we could talk about, but, uh, you know, we, we had, Josh on uh, the last episode and and that was just such a good conversation even talking through um, how we got into art and what shapes that and what builds around our our interest even and I, and I thought one of the cool things we talked about a little bit was the fact that sometimes it's not so much the art itself that resounds with you as much as the people saying it and who they are and that kind of gets back into that experience because they've experienced this and are writing this the art may not have that um what's the word i'm looking for not necessarily that big a hold but that that much of a it it may not line up exactly with what i like or what i'm doing or what i personally listen to but they're still worth because of who's saying it and how they're saying it yeah for sure it's it's that thing where like, there are albums that I like, for example, where I don't listen to them all the time, but they are such a window into the life or the kind of um, mind, spirit of the people or person who made them. Mm-hmm. And often you value that person and their perspective and their experience. I keep using that word more than you do the thing that produced it. And I remember being being young, and if I found an album I liked, I wanted to know as much as I could about the people who made it and where it was made and what were they doing. I, I'm into music production, amongst other things, and so I like reading articles and stories about, well, here's where we were when we made this, here's the gear that we used, here's why that was innovative, here's what was going on at the time about when it was released, because all that stuff is interesting to me, because what you're talking about is here how here's the kind of 
the situation in which this was created. Here's how we made it. And here's the impact that it had on us and the people around us. And I just, I really enjoy kind of absorbing all of that and let, hopefully letting it affect me in in positive ways. Um, but there are people like, uh, for me, Henry Rollins is a good example. Um, mm -hmm. He was the front man of a band called Black Flag and then later did solo stuff and, and all this other kind of stuff. I actually don't like hardly anything that he's made. <laughs> but uh, like the, the music is not, like is not my thing. His lyrics, like I can't relate to a, at this point in my life a lot of what he has talked about. Yeah. But he has a uh, he has a podcast with his longtime friend and manager, who kind of creates a space for him to really be himself and be comfortable. And that's not necessarily what you get out of him in other areas. He's he's a very prolific guy, and so he he does a lot of movies and a lot of kind of voiceovers and narrations, a lot of interviews, writes a lot of books. He's out there a lot but mm -hmm. uh the podcast is my favorite thing that he's done because you get a sense of this is a really creative intelligent guy who's really thoughtful has a really kind of off the beat perspective he's not a believer so i'll just throw that out there but just this is a guy who just sees the world differently and yeah. that is what i appreciate i think about a lot of art and artists is that um, is they get you to see the world through a different lens than you would have already and yeah. um, I think that prepares us well to to have a good concept of what God is like and how to approach the scriptures. So uh, Tolkien is probably my favorite author. He's definitely up there. And it's interesting. Like I, I read Lord of the Rings every year, usually. Yeah. And then a lot of the other stuff frequently. And it's interesting how how closely some of the language that Tolkien uses mirrors the way that scripture uses lang language, at least in English, because, you know, mm -hmm. the the Bible being the widely, most widely printed book in the English language. I think that's correct. I could be totally wrong about that, but certainly up there, you yeah. know, top three, surely. And how the way the, the early English translations of scripture influenced the way that English was spoken. And so after reading the way that Tolkien writes narrative, you then go read the Old Testament and it's like, oh, I have a shelf for this. This kind of sounds similar and so the way that he saw the world and the way that he did storytelling i think helped me to come to to be able to read scripture a little bit better yeah. but but then also again even beyond just the world that he created this was a this was a dude who just he saw things totally differently than the people around him and i think that's what i connected most to and the art is a product of that imagination you know mm -hmm. if, if we want to start getting into more specific experiences Ever since I was a little kid, my imagination has been where I live, you know, yeah, um, and where I feel the most me because anything can happen there, you know, mm -hmm. like you, you don't when you're a little kid, you just play and you don't think about it and you imagine all these scenarios and come up with all these games and the kind of literature and movies that I ended up liking was the stuff that wasn't real world. It was, man, somebody created a whole other <laughs> a whole other space a whole other world to be in and i really and that's really cool and i think those are the kinds of things that that still capture my attention now the most and because they they show you again if we're talking about people and their experiences they show you this is what came out of somebody else's experience of being able to see the world the way it could be and not just the way that it is and 
for me, that ties into my faith because that's essentially what we're called to do. You look around at the world and it sucks a lot of the times and people are awful <laughs> a lot of yeah. times and I'm awful a lot of the time. But uh, through the mind of Christ and you, and with the spirit of God, you can you can conceive that things could be different if you allow God to reshape your reality. And so uh, for me, that's very closely tied to that whole living in your imagination thing because I think to a certain degree not in like an escapist way but I think we're called to do that I think we're called to see things and situations and people as God sees them and God sees us as dearly loved and you know his children that he pursues and he sees the new creation that's coming not this kind of broken thing that we have now and that's uh you know that, that maybe is a lot of rambling but that's all tied up in how I interact with art is that you are in a, some small way, you're stepping into the kind of the, as Josh put it, the spiritual discipline of seeing things the way that they could be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, well, and even when you look at God as creator, you know, and, and kind of looking at it from that picture and, and this whole plan that he has set in motion from, from the beginning, um, all has a purpose. And, and I think, you know, there's so many things you can do there. Uh, art, art has a purpose. Um, there's, there's different things people can do. I, I like the fact that you brought in the escape kind of metaphor, because I think a lot of people do use art as an escape. Now there's questions there about what are we escaping from and whether we're supposed to, and what are we escaping to? And is mm -hmm. that smart and safe? And I think there's a whole lot of things that we allow to be, uh, problems there, you know, that distract us from what what God is doing. But I think that's a, an interesting parallel is how can I use it to, to bring me back to what God's doing? Not to get away from it, but to say, yes, this is how the world is. But um, I think there's there's aspects of it where we can look at, yes, this is, this is it and this is what we can do better. I think there's also um, this is what the world is because it was created to be this but there's something more than this world that that is part of the story as well, you know, mm -hmm. that, that we have to keep in, in focus. Um, yeah, well, and, and something I want to touch back to real quick, and we can j jump back to this again if there's more you're wanting to say. I just, you also mentioned the fact um, about someone not being a Christian artist, and I think that's even something that is interesting when we talk about experiences, the Christian versus secular art, um, and how that is taken in, how that's consumed, how that's written off in some cases uh, as as good or bad or, or whatnot. And that's something we've obviously talked about. Uh, you know, in, in my experience, a lot of the movies out there that are Christian are not of the highest caliber. Not that there's none that exist, but that's something we've talked through. And I actually uh, was reading an interview about one. Well, I told you about it, but about a uh, Christian movie maker that hopefully we'll be able to have on here at some point, but who did not want to make Christian movies because of just kind of the the stigma that, that comes along with them at times. And so yeah. I think that's even something that's interesting is, is maybe that experience that we've had not being positive kind of keeps us from wanting to maybe pursue things like that. Yeah. You know, uh, I also know there's some people who won't, won't listen to anything that's not Christian art or uh, take it in. You know, I, I say, listen, and I'm focusing heavily on, on visual um, 
our, our audio, I guess, audio. I'm making up words again. I do Musical. that every few episodes. <laughs> Musical, yeah. I mean, but I guess even hearing hearing things from a movie. But but I think there's, um, I don't know, I think there's a lot to talk about there even in how we perceive it, how some of these artists even navigate it without trying to jump necessarily into one of those, but to just be an artist that yeah. just makes music, you know? It's, it's interesting in that, um, well, it goes in cycles, depending on what it is. Like people will freak out about this or that thing. Um, and suddenly everything will get super kind of controlled or contained or curtailed. Or, and of course, the the Christian industry plays a part in that as far as what's popular and what's selling and, and also what's meeting the needs of people. I don't want to be completely cynical about that. Um, but jumping back to something that you said, uh, so the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. We know this. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is no such, like, all art is God's yeah. in the sense that, like, the enemy didn't come up with creativity. He can twist it. He can point it in the wrong direction. But people like Marilyn Manson and Trent Reznor and you know, um, whatever extreme movie you want to throw out there. Like they're making a thing that is, that is praising and celebrating all the wrong stuff, but they're doing it really well. And (laughs) you know, like the, the, the thing is there's something to be learned there in that you can see, and this goes for gosh, just anything really, any person you come across, whatever is good or lovely there is because it is built into God. God designed it to be that way. He mm-hmm. came up with that. He built that into our makeup. He wrote that into our DNA. Not in a deterministic way. It's just that like God was the first creator. <laughs> he created yeah. the idea. <laughs> and, and so when you're looking at somebody who doesn't follow Jesus that's making stuff, what you're seeing is the creativity that God gave that person. Pointed at the wrong stuff. So I think that to say that, oh, this is just trash and it's garbage and there's nothing we can learn, that's just not true because you're criticizing the creativity that God put in that person. Am I telling you to go listen to Marilyn Manson? No, I'm not. But what I'm saying is like he uh, and, and I don't listen to him either just because I'm not interested in his whole spiel. But I've I've heard enough of like his interviews and stuff. He's a very intelligent guy. He made some really crappy yeah. decisions in his life, too. But. When you hear him talk about his art and what he's trying to do, it's all very calculated, very thought out. He's trying to get you to think. He's not just trying to uh, to be shocking for the sake of it. There, there's, there is an artistic intent to what he does. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, it's like, well, the enemy didn't come up with that. That's not the result of sin. He is just using that programming, if you like, that, that God put in him. To celebrate all the wrong things is the way I would put it. So I just wanted to throw that thought out there. I don't think that that comes into the conversation often enough. And so while I wouldn't say that somebody who only wants to experience Christian art is wrong, what I would encourage them, because there's a maturity issue there, kind of like we talked about last last episode. So I I would not... Um, I would not encourage somebody to go out and experience art that is, uh, I was about to say offensive, but that's a, that's a loaded word. Um, wh- what I'm saying is there's a chance to miss some good that could be had if we build our walls too thick. Sure. Well, you know, and there's always the, uh, the diagrams out there. If you like Marilyn Manson, go listen to, and you can find the Christian equivalent. And <laughs> You never can. <laughs> 
Oh, man. I know. I said that very much tongue-in-cheek and, uh, and got the response I wanted. Those Y'all can't see Taylor, but he instantly started shaking his head. So, yeah. Can you hear I, my eyes rolling from over here? <laughs> well, and, and even that, like, and, and we've had conversations. It's so easy to just say, oh, well, this is doing well in this realm. Let's copy it and, and try and bring a Christian equivalent without trying to look for things that may redeem the alternative, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Uh, I've gotten to listen, and I think I probably mentioned this in season one, but there's there's stories and things in cultures that are not necessarily great, but but people who are who are effectively ministering to these groups are able to go in and, and look at that and redeem it, you know, and, and, and to use that however wrong, right, bad, whatever it is, in order to point to Christ. And I think good art, because creativity is from our creator good art can point to him regardless what it may be trying to do you know god can use anything and he does and he does absolutely and so i don't know maybe there's value in even knowing some of that if you're at a spiritual maturity where you can take some of that in in order to be able to minister to others, you know? I think there's definitely something to that because one of the greatest criticisms that I have seen in my life of Christian people is that we live in a totally different world to everybody else around us. Now, that is certainly true insofar as, you know, we're 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 a people set apart. This world is not our home. Those those scriptural threads where it's like fundamentally something about you has changed. You know, the the Holy Spirit's presence in your life makes a difference. It just does. Mm -hmm. And in that way, you know, we're no longer dead in our sin. We're called a different to a different life. And we're actually given the the wisdom that God provides and the guidance, but then also the power, if we dare use that word, to actually do what God wants us to do. And and so there is that difference. But then there's also like this weird cultural bubble difference and that like. What I saw around me growing up sometimes, not not just growing up, or what I've seen a lot around me is people who have so enforced the walls of that bubble that they don't know how to relate to anybody that doesn't live inside of it. <laughs> and so like wh- what you're saying, if you haven't seen the now there's <laughs> this is a line you got to walk. If you haven't seen that movie, if you haven't listened to that album, if you're not familiar with that pop star, if you know, if you don't know what this painting is about or don't know who that designer is, you are shut out of the conversations that are happening. Now, sometimes yeah. that's a good thing. Sometimes it isn't. And when it comes time for somebody to, when somebody, you know, you're at the water cooler or whatever, and somebody says, hey, did you watch da-da-da? Did you hear this? And you're just like, or, or worse yet, like, no, that's garbage. I don't know why you should watch that, <laughs> which maybe there's a time for that. But I think a lot... A, I wonder if if in those moments it's it's more about uh, more about moralizing than it is about actual. Uh, what am I trying to say? Um, you can you can cut this part out. <laughs> no, well, it's it's virtue signaling. I mean, I, I get yeah, where you're, yeah, yeah. you're. I mean, it's almost saying because I don't take this in, I'm I'm better. And, and oh yeah, okay, yes. You you just you said know? what I was trying to say. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good. And I remember times in my life I did that to people. Yeah. Which is crappy. Well, and, and that's just, that's why there's such an importance on, on being honest and, and saying, look, none of us are good. So what do we do with that? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, do I fake and act like I am? Or do I, I say, no, apart from Christ, I'm worthless and, and I'm going to, you know, 
spend time with him, build relationships so that he can guide what, what's going on. I, I think Josh touched on it on the last episode. There are certain things at certain points where he does not need to take it in. Yeah, for sure. Um, because it may affect his outlook. It may affect where he's at with Christ. It may affect relationships. And and there's definitely art out there that I'm, I'm though I think, though I know God can use anything to point to him, there's things I'm not going to go watch and say, okay, well, how? You know, uh, because it's just not good for me to take in and yeah. it um, will affect things. And I think that's part of, of what we have to realize as believers is that though it exists and though, you know, it, I, God can can be pointed to by it, though he may give me the strength to watch it, there's still things that are, are probably just not good for me to take in. Yeah, for sure. And, um, yeah, I have nothing to add to that, really. <laughs> so I, I think that's, that's a big part of the conversation. I think how – I mean, there's no point in making art if it's not to be experienced, I guess, in some ways. Now, there's, there's different levels to that. There's an experience in creating versus an experience in consuming. Yeah. And – you know, I think part of what is so intriguing to me with with different people is kind of seeing this journey they're on displayed through their art. Mm-hmm. And that's something we, we likely miss at times if we're not careful, is kind of watching someone go through. There, there's a uh, an artist that you and I both really like that, you know, there's been times where I've listened to something and, and even though the style may have changed, you can see, hey, these things way back that would have been harder to make point to Christ, uh, seems like it's getting easier and and it's like what is that is there are they you know coming to terms with that are they not and it's something different they're talking about that i'm just trying to make god because i want it to you know (laughs) back to trying to make something something it may not be but why don't we back up a bit so we 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 jumped into the present i think without kind of going back a bit so can you Mm -hmm. remember an experience when you were younger that was kind of the first time you were really moved by something doesn't have to be quote Christian doesn't have to be music or film. It, it, can, it can be anything. But like when you, when you were aware, when you had that, wow. Cause when it, before you're kind of awake to how art can affect you, you're just watching a movie or listening to an album and you just know whether or not you like it. But there comes a moment when it isn't just that you like it. It's that something happens, you know, like you, it, it, it awakens something in you. It's a big question. Uh, Good or bad. Because it's, 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 well, and it's very easy to say how it affects us now, but thinking back to the first time and what it was, uh, and even what medium, you know, uh, that kind of first took hold of us is a different question that I, I don't know if I've thought a whole lot about. Mm. Um, I, I was always surrounded by art growing up um, in different ways. You know, I, my mom was uh, big into painting and, and really appreciated things like even like Norman Rockwell. There was like a plethora of Norman Rockwell stuff around our house uh, of, of paintings, the plates that were collectible, just different things like that, that I was always around and seeing. I took art classes growing up, so it was always kind of something I, I did. Now, was there a point when I started appreciating it more so than that I, th- I think when you're constantly around something, it's very easy to lose what it's doing because you've just known it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so it's kind of a tough question to think about. I I know there was a point, I think, when when some of that started to become mine, where it started to, to make a difference, you know, where, okay, I've painted these things people have told me to paint growing up, learning how. Now I'm, I'm seeing how I can use this to convey what I want to to do, uh, what's important to me, what I take notice of. And, you know, seeing that in art, then seeing it in music even to, from a point to where, yeah, I always liked music, but when I was able to say what I wanted to, when I started writing, it was very different than when I was just taking it in, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. And so I don't know if there's like one thing I can point to as, oh, well, I saw this painting or I heard this piece of music and it just changed my life forever as much as there was a point where I remember, um, I don't know, probably mid, uh, maybe early high school where I I was able to start using a lot more of that to, to say what I wanted to. Yeah. Where I wasn't just a consumer, but I was more of a part of the conversation. And I think that's when it started meaning more to me. Uh, that's when I started paying attention more to the lyrics of songs. And, and even to the point where some of the stuff I was listening to and, you know, I don't know, eighth, ninth grade being like, hey, this isn't even saying a whole lot. Why am I listening to it? <laughs> uh, I don't know that I even like it that much. And then I remember shifting to this point where I would even just go and be sitting at, I don't know, Hastings or, or wherever and see a a CD that just looked cool and buy it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and not, not because I, I knew I'd like it, but why not? You know, anyone uh, under the age of 30 has no idea what we're talking about. Right. <laughs> what are CDs? <laughs> but I, I do. It's like, Oh, that's a cool, cool piece of artwork and, and cool. Uh, you know, whatever that, that, that looks neat. So I'm going to try it out. And there were times where I was sadly, you know, disappointed, but there were also <laughs> yeah. times yeah, where, you know, I found some of the people I still listen to today, who are making art that to me was, was doing something and saying something that was needed, but wasn't there at least in my life, you know, um, mm-hmm. at the time. And, and that changes, right? I mean, there's people I still listen to now that I've been listening to from forever ago, but to me, it was people who were saying things in a way that couldn't be ignored. That, that made me kind of do a double take and say, you know what, I'm not going to listen to, this stuff anymore that for yeah. whatever reason I was listening to, I, it was on the radio, I guess. I don't know, but, um, I, I'm going to actually try and find what to me is actually saying something. Yeah. I, I had a, a similar experience in some ways in that my dad was and is a musician and he did church music for a long time, but then, um, he and my uncle had, had a, had a band. I mean, there was just two of them. They had a duo and back in, Back when contemporary Christian music was first becoming a thing, that's when they were playing. And it wasn't all that common at the time to have to be using acoustic guitars in church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like even you know these again, these things go in cycles, and there's something new to get upset about every new generation. But at the time, that was a big deal, and there weren't a whole lot of people doing that. And they it, you know, it's not that they were famous, but they they traveled full time for a number of years. And when we were really little, he was still doing some of that and then he was on staff at churches and but they would still go you know it wasn't uncommon for a time or two a month for them to go you know play or sing somewhere so and we had the albums around and he he and mom had music that they would listen to but again kind of like you said it's just this is what's around so it's kind of what you take in you don't really have a choice in the matter you don't really know that there's more out there um 
Well, and, and you may can relate to this a little bit. I don't know for me, liking the outdoors and hunting and some of the stuff I grew up around and we're from Arkansas, like country music was always around and mm-hmm. I had to get to a point where it's like, look, there's nothing wrong with this. It's just honestly not my thing, yeah. you know? So I'm, instead of just listening to it because everyone else does, or I'm part of this crew and I find something that resonates more with me. Yeah. And, and the, for me, um, I had other other things than music that were like that. So for me, it was a lot of that stuff you mentioned. We we lived uh, the longest place we lived in my childhood was Camden. We were there for six years, which is which was especially then even more rural than than it is now down in South Arkansas. And some of those things were mentioned were what you did. There was hunting yeah. and fishing and trucks and ducks unlimited and you know beer and chasing gals and and you know it just. For whatever reason, when I was very, very young, I decided I was just, I didn't want to, I was just not into the things other people were into. Yeah. You know, you know OG hipster. <laughs> no, uh, it's pr- probably some of it was just being a punk on purpose. But for for whatever reason, I just wasn't interested in a lot of that stuff. Um, and dad did a good job in, in that he was always all about a wide variety of music. Now, my parents um, were not into into heavier stuff. Even as I got older, they weren't really uh, as comfortable with that when I was younger. But beyond that, it, he would bring like super old hymns and quote like high church organ music into the services, and then brand new stuff and stuff in between. You'd always get a wide mix of things. He was. Um, like there was no contemporary service or no traditional service. It's just like, no, we're going to take, we're going to appreciate everything that's good, no matter when or where or who it came from kind of thing. And so, um, like, I don't remember specifically disliking any of that. It just, it wasn't mine. Yeah. I, I kind of, as you put it, it was just there. But when I was about 14, when this would have been in about 2000, um, it, music christian music or music made by christians kind of started to open up Mm -hmm. and that you know dc talk was still big at this time like i remember being in youth group and there being a display for their album supernatural like that that album was a big deal i think it was their first on a major label i could be wrong about that and say what you want about them but they they kind of broke a lot of stuff open for a lot of people to let folks know hey you can you can make rock, you can make hip hop, you can make songs that are not just about Jesus. You can sing about relationships or your life or whatever, but it's all kind of yeah. under this umbrella or through this faith lens. And kind of in their wake, you know, all the tooth and nail bands happened, MXPX and then things like the Supertones and the POD was a big deal for me, mm-hmm. their Southtown album. So it, again, it wasn't for me for music anyway there wasn't a specific thing it was a bunch of things all kind of happening at the same time that you hear something and you're like oh my gosh what is that that is awesome i've never heard anything like that and i was thinking about this the other day the thing for me was the passion and the energy in it meaning no disrespect to the church music i grew up experiencing and listening to but they were not in the same league together, particularly yeah. as like, you can't play this stuff in church. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of it is not on the radio. You have to know about it to know where to go. Look, you have to hear about it from somebody. And this is mostly pre-internet. So it's not like there are Spotify playlists and things like that. You have to hear about it from somebody else who's into it mm-hmm. as the way that it used to be. And um, 
I just remember, you know, I was being 14, 15, 16, you have all this energy. You're starting to wake up to yourself as your own person, you know, making your yeah. own decisions about what you're going to like and what you're going to wear. And, and also your faith also, you start to, at some point, and, and that's kind of when it started for me, really got more intense than in my late teens, but you start to ask questions about God and about life and church and, you know, like your, your real life starts to happen, I guess you would mm-hmm. say. And for me, that was really closely tied up in all of that, mostly music discovery for me. I, I can remember um, seeing the two towers in the theater. I mean, it started with Fellowship of the Ring, of course, because nobody had ever seen anything like that. But specifically with, with the two towers for me, saw that in the theater and there was so much in there. There's just like, this is unlike anything I've ever seen. And the way that they did the storytelling and presented the human moments was really, I mean, it really just bludgeons you with so many different things in the best way. And as far as like film goes, I remember, I I didn't know you could have this kind of experience Mm -hmm. much the same as like you hear, um, like you hear a POD South town and it's like, I didn't know that you could have this much energy and aggression (laughs) Like, I didn't know people of faith could go here because I'd never heard that. Yeah. So, uh, again, much like you, it's it's hard to pin down to specific moments. I mean, the, I just listed a few, but it was all kind of wrapped up in that era for me. Yeah. Well, and, and it's so tough because, I mean, kind of what you mentioned, we... I'm trying to figure out the best way to say this without coming across as a punk, but... So we're talking about sometimes you got to learn you can be a punk, right? Yeah. Um, no, I think that's what was so interesting to me about it is because I got to a point where you see, you know, there, there's this stuff that exists. Now, no, it's not in church that I'm hearing it, but it's there and it's good and it's it's created for God by people of, of faith and uh, seeing that and then just seeing even how the church is willing to look at some of that stuff I think was tough for me as Mm -hmm. I was growing up and seeing you know art that was was good and was saying a lot but you know the the church isn't always comfortable with that you know I I think that's a disservice when we are not willing to let some of that in the walls of the church because then you're you're placing it elsewhere Mm -hmm. you know I I played music in college for a while and in a band and, and I remember a church calling us and canceling a show because they that we were because we were playing at a bar the night before. Um, yeah, a, a bar is what they said. It's a music venue where they happen to serve alcohol. But because of that, they were not willing to let us play there. And and it was tough for me because one of the most worshipful moments I've had listening to music happened to be in that same venue that yeah. we were about to be playing at yeah. with a band singing, you know, um, their rendition of Amazing Grace, a rock band, you know, and. It's, there's just kind of this thing there where it's like when you're trying to make sure and I don't even know the right way to say it when you're being so careful to make sure that the art in the church is what you want it to be rather than what God wants it to be and to make sure nothing that you're uncomfortable with is there like it's kind of scary how much control we want to have over that yeah you know I was thinking um the last day or so, um, last night and this morning specifically, like I got, uh, 
uh, I got really mad last night <laughs> and this morning about stuff I'm, I'm not I'm not going to go into. But I was thinking about the fact that you know some of the psalms of imprecation are just the author, whether it be David or whomever, just railing about people he's mad at. Yeah. You know, a lot of God's admonition through the mouths of the prophets is God angry at his children for their idolatry, being like, y'all, how then should we process our anger? We have been given this gift by God of this art that is the Bible, of these psalms, of these poetic, prophetic verses, to help shape our thoughts around anger, for example. Mm -hmm. Do we sing songs in church that allow us to do that? And so I was having a moment where I was, I'm, I'm having to work through with God these things that I'm angry about. So what does a young angry person do? And, and even angry about the right things like you, uh, you know, when, when you're at that age, when your faith starts to come alive and you're looking around you and you say, man, the world really seems messed up and the church really seems messed up some of the time. This isn't right. I want to do something about this. And you have that kind of holy fire that I think is a good thing. It's bad if it's pointed at the wrong thing, as mm -hmm. we talked about earlier. What do you do if you don't have art that gives you the opportunity to express that? What if you are told this is not welcome in church? What if you don't have the language of anger? To what if you don't know how to speak it? Well, you're gonna you're gonna sin then. Yeah. Uh, and so I think part and of you're gonna what, look for things outside of the church. Yes, yes, exactly. So I think part of the reason that God included some of the really gnarly, difficult stuff that's in the Bible that we wish wasn't in there, and that we mostly avoid in our sermons and our songs and our devotionals is because it's supposed to give us the language of anger, the language of grief, the language of sadness, the language of lamentation, of, of like righteous indignation, of, uh, of calls for justice, of accountability and confession and all those things. And are, are those things a part of our collective Christian language in a way that we can speak them regularly and give voice to what's in our hearts? And I think that is what art does and or can do and what art that people of faith make has the potential to do. And um, specifically what I was, what I kind of landed on was that I think a lot of Christian art is nothing more than propaganda. Because propaganda has an, is intended to make you think and feel certain things, which is like you, you're supposed to sit down and shut up and think this thing. It's not about how you think. It's not encouraging you to ponder. It's here it is. This is what you're supposed to believe. This is what you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to question. Uh, everything is tied up in a nice, neat little package. And I think the things that you and I have talked about that really bother us about art made by people of faith sometimes is it's like, this is nowhere near as raw and real and as open as what my experience that I'm trying to make sense of right now feels like. So what am I to do <laughs> then? Well, it's, it's, and, it's artificial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you're right. It's, it's to, to attain a certain thing. It's to make people comfortable. And that's what was so compelling about some of the stuff as I was in high school and seeing stuff like 
Emory or As Cities Burn, some of these rock mm-hmm. bands who are saying stuff in such a Whew, yeah, As Cities particularly good way. Oh, As Cities Burn was probably one of the things that made me like fall in love with the lyrics and and write the way I, I try to. Yeah, um, not near as as successfully, but just the way they would word something. You know, I mean, when, when you're listening to a song and it says, you know, my God, I'm sure if you wanted to stop love, you could untie your end and let it go. And thinking of it in that big of a way, like to where. It kind of slaps you in the face. Yeah. And I think the response could be, because I've, I've kind of seen things like this, is like people would come at that and be like, God would never do that. That's not going to happen. That, that This is a bad song. You don't need to be thinking about that. Rather than you need to take stock of where you would be without the presence of God in your life. And think yes. about what if one day he did decide he was tired of dealing with us? Because you read like, go read Exodus where he says, I'm done with you. Yeah. Like he and Moses are up on the mountain. He's like, these people, I'm not going to mess with anymore. You and I are going to go do our own thing. Like, that's it for them. (laughs) So, and that's in the Bible, right? So we have to have those kinds of shelves for things that are that real. Mm -hmm. And, and man, and just the, the, uh, there's not a better word than fakeness. The fakeness of it bugs the mess out of me. And maybe, (laughs) maybe this is why. You know, as we look at this and why this is so important, as we talk about it, it kind of even becomes more apparent why this is important. But the fakeness that we set up with the church keeps people from from being who we are, who, who the Bible says we are. It doesn't say we're we're good, you know. It doesn't say, and you know, there's all who are good and everyone. It's, mm-hmm. There's none, not one. Um, and if we're willing to be honest with that and to say things that show that we're not good because guess what we all know we're not good anyway then it it breeds a sense of genuineness that you can't help but grow from Mm -hmm. you know especially as a believer looking at this and looking what's in our life you don't look at what's in your life as a believer and say oh yeah it's sin but it's okay let's just leave it there for a little while and see what happens no you, you you talk about it you get it out and then you surround yourself with people and that's why it's important to surround yourself with people who can help you get past that struggle so you can get to the next one, maybe, but so that you're doing something with it instead of allowing it to fester and make you create a podcast about art so you can truly talk about it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. Um, man. There's two, for me, there's this experience of um, once you have those kind of encounters with art and with the kind of... Uh, the communities and people that produce it. It's really hard to go back to the, the saccharine, <laughs> you know, uh, overly constructed, overwrought, lack of depth, you know, McDonald's version mm-hmm. of that. And we, I'm aware that we're sound like we're coming down pretty hard, but I have not, you know, I'm, I'm 35 now. So I'm away from a lot of my young man angst in, in in a good way. Like there's some things that just, I, I needed to get over. You know, you're, you're a young person. Once you're figuring it out, you got to rage at the world, that kind of thing. Um, I'm away from a lot of that. What I've never, and nor do I want to live in the past and just camp out in a moment from my teenage years and make that what my life is about. You can't do that. That's not good. What I've never gotten over though, is you experience the real thing. You, you taste and see as the scripture says. Anything less than that just does not measure up. 
And I think that there are a lot of things that we're that the Christian culture is insisting are the real thing that are not or are 75 percent the real thing or 80 percent or 60 percent. And we're saying we should be okay with that. We should be content with that. This should scratch our itch. This should be enough. Find the good in it. And there's some truth to that. But when you know how great it can be and you know how deeply you can be moved and how aware of who you are and how you relate to God as as the result of a piece of art that somebody else made, when you get hand, when you get handed the other thing, it's just not good enough. It just doesn't. And especially yeah. when you get handed the other thing and told, sit down, shut up and be OK with this. I just uh, that that gets my back up. I've got to say, <laughs> you know, like, like knowing what the what the real thing is and being expected to settle for less than that. That bugs me. Yeah. Well, and and as a little, it's a little of a, an aside from what we're talking about, but we're constantly hearing things. We're constantly confronted with the fact that more young people are leaving the church than ever before even having grown up in it, you know, I know we mentioned that even during our, our deconstruction and some of those episodes, you have to, to think that's part of it. For so long, they've been told this is how it is. And then you get to an age where you, you hear something that shows, oh, wait, you know, what I've been told, and we've talked about this before, what I've been told may not completely be accurate based on what the Bible says, or I'm seeing this thing that I've been told is bad forever for whatever reason. And it's, Maybe not, and maybe it is, you know, maybe people are truly trying to protect you, but but you're being told everything that you need to do, say where to go, where to play and not play music, what to listen to, and then you get to a point where you you have that opened up, and if not in a mature place to take that in, yes, it can be, be dangerous, but if you're in a place to where you can step out of that and step into making your faith your own and not running from it... I, how do you step back into being told everything? You can't. Yeah. Like There's you're a, seeing it open up. You can't just run away from that. You need people and a church in place who can help you grow and look at things. And, and I don't know if I'm even saying that the way I want to, but hopefully it makes some bit of sense. It is a, it is a fearsome thing to be confronted with, with the reality of who you are. And I don't think we want that, really. Mm-hmm. There's a line in uh, a Frank Peretti book called The Visitation. And uh, it said, God was expected to fill his pew and follow the order of service just like everyone else. Hmm. Yeah. And it, an, a line like that is a challenge because maybe that's not your, you, you who are listening, maybe that's not your individual experience. That maybe you had a church community or a family unit or a group of friends or whatever where the art was alive or is alive now and that there's room and space for that. That's not been true, at least to some degree, for a lot of us, I think. And if that is how your liturgy functions, if, if that is what your expectations are, it's, it's no wonder then that our art reflects that. Is, is like good art can just wreck you. Really, you know, we're we're just you you're, you're gently devastated, <laughs> and you're coming away from watching this film or listening to this album or looking at this painting or reading this book or whatever, and it's like all you can think about. And it's like, oh my gosh, who am I? Who is God? You know, we I've had many of those experiences, kind of like we talked about a minute ago, and 
that can either be invigorating or it can be terrifying. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people, they had an experience where they got terrified or they got, or somebody else was, and then they were then told, well, you can't cross this line. Yeah. And what do you do with that? I mean... I think, it, I mean, it has its roots in us wanting a God we can control and us wanting a God that looks like us and that we're comfortable with. I think that's part of it. And, you know, if if the prophetic voice is going to force me to deeply reflect on who I am and what I need to change, I just as soon tune that guy out, which yeah. which means all this art that has the prophetic voice in it is no longer on the table. And that includes these books of the Bible, by the way. Let's not preach sermons from there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you have to allow yourself to be in an environment where you can be honest and then where you can do something about that. If you're in a group, be it a home church or, or whatever, if all you're doing is sitting there and saying, I'm having a little bit of trouble with X, Y, and Z, and then never doing anything about it and never allowing people to, to push you past that, then what's the point? I mean, I think that's the first step, right? Is people being willing to say, I struggle with whatever it is. You know, I think there's a number of people <clears throat> in the church in faith communities today that have issues with alcohol, with pornography, with, with whatever it is, but they're not willing to talk about it because they're not in a community. I think, I think there's one thing of finding a community you can talk about it, but then if that community is not willing to push you, you know, and, and almost acts as if, oh, you said that, thank you. Now let's pretend that you didn't so that we can pretend <laughs> like we've got this all buttoned up. Shoot. That is a problem. Yeah. Um, hmm. Like, great on you if you're, you're somewhere and willing to admit our shortfalls. But if there's not people there to help you through it, I don't know, it's easiest to remain in it if you're not willing to admit it, but it's still pretty easy to remain in it if you're willing to admit it and don't have the right people around you. And I think art gives us the ability as the people of God to admit these things collectively. You know, there there are a lot of there are a lot of kind of little episodes in the scriptures, particularly in the Old Testament, when the people of God together, like the the pronouns are plural. We have sinned. We have done this. We have not, you know, we have defrauded the poor. We have not been faithful to God. You, you get a lot of scenes of all the people together or big groups of them collectively confessing mm -hmm. and admitting to each other, yeah, we did this. And that demands accountability. Yeah. Yep. Well, and, and being willing to be in, in a group like that. Mm -hmm. You know, does that mean every single person in there did everything that was being... Probably not. There's probably someone who didn't do something that they wasted, right? But yeah. owning that as a group, well, it's you know, the, the, these are. Uh, this is helpful, I think, in this kind of cultural moment we're in, because there's a lot of conversations about um, different issues like uh, like racism and sexuality, and um, how different groups of people have been treated by the church over the years. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of kind of furor from some folks who are like, "Well, I didn't have any." have anything to do with that why should i yeah. and i think again it, it's a challenge that's like okay let's say that you weren't directly responsible what should your response be then to this is it to get mad because somebody thinks ill of you 
or is it sorrow that there are people out there who have been treated badly by people who are carrying God's name with them? Like that's that's probably a better response than getting angry because yeah. somebody thinks something bad about you. And that's that's a brief tangent. We don't have time to get off into that. But one of the things Scripture makes mention of is that the character of God is displayed in his creation. Like it's not a secret who God is or what he is like and that his qualities are clearly known from what has been made. So why do we have the Bible? And I wonder if part of it is is not that God God knows that art gives us the language of the human experience, if, if I can put it in such lofty terms, but that w- without the Bible, we wouldn't be able to give voice to what we're experiencing in our relationship with God in the way that he wants us to. Because, you know, you look at, um, if you look at the early books, Genesis, Exodus, you know, the, the Pentateuch, they didn't have anything written down, Genesis particularly. Like there was, there was no Bible for a lot of the Old Testament, there was no Old Testament. <laughs> you know, during the New Testament, there was no New Testament. It was being written. Or, I mean, and a lot of those books, they didn't even have in the era that they were writing about, you know. So what was their experience of God like? Obviously, they could commune with him somehow because we have a record of it. But I wonder if part of God's intent was not, uh, I'm, I'm going to give you the art you need to give voice to what you're experiencing. And maybe that's the whole point of it. Hmm. Well, and I know we, we've, I think, I'm pretty sure we've said this before, but if that's what the Bible is like, what then should our art be like? Man, yeah. how many one-liners you got here? What, what, what else you got? <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for episode 15 of the Unbetween podcast. As always, we thank you for listening. We do want to let you know that we are on social media. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook now. And and really what we're trying to do is just continue to build a community where we can get feedback and hear from you all and even hear your ideas on guests. Who should we have on next? So let us know. And if you haven't, please subscribe and rate the podcast. That does a lot for us just to, uh, to know people are listening and to know that these conversations are beneficial for more than just Taylor and I. So thank you all and we'll see you on the next one.